This morning, if you'll turn to Colossians chapter 1, I want to start with something that is so convicting to me, it's so tough for me, it's not something that I do very well often enough, I see it in seasons, I'm better some days than others, and that's how to pray for you, how to pray for other believers, for our fellow believers. This morning, I want us to look at one of Paul's many prayers for the saints, and this is the prayer for the Colossians, and I want to look at it from more of a pastoral standpoint than a pure, you know, dissect the Greek and do all the exegesis. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, actually, let's go all the way back to verse 3. Paul says, we give thanks to God, that would be prayer, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Praying always for you. Since we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world, also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, also since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. I am always intimidated to preach or to talk about prayer. I want you to know I do pray. I pray often. I think I pray a lot. But I'm never content with how I pray or how much I pray. It's just, it's not one of those obedience things that you do and you're done. I don't pray as much as I want and need. I wish I prayed more effectively. I wish I were more organized in my prayers. I wish I were more disciplined in my praying, but I am seeing some steady growth. So I want to come to you this morning and join with you as someone desiring to learn how to pray better. Prayer is not complicated. It's simply talking to God. It's having a conversation with the Almighty, the one who is invisible, the one who is alive, the one who hears. But I want to let, I want to let you know something that you probably know, but it's, it needs to be stated again. I think everyone struggles in their prayer life and praying, and that's, that's to be expected because prayer, listen, prayer is a learned behavior. You have to learn to talk to God the same way a little child learns to talk to anyone. Prayer is learned. I'm sure you're aware that the only record we have of the 12 disciples making a request of Jesus for instruction is this. Lord, teach us how to pray. 
Why would they ask that? What is, what is in this request, Lord, teach us to pray? Well, they must have heard something so significantly different in the way Jesus prayed than the way they prayed. They said, we need to learn how to talk to God like you do. I'm sure his substance was different. His tone was different. His reverence was different. His authenticity and sincerity were different. And they acknowledged that they needed to grow in their praying. That's encouraging to me and instructive to me. The disciples needed to learn how to pray and learn how to pray better. I trust that is true of all of us. Namely, that we recognize God can be sought for instruction on how to talk to God. And we also need to be taught how to pray better before him and with each other and for each other. Of all the disciplines and delights in the Christian life, prayer rises to the top with respect of requiring faith. Now, a lot of things we do require faith, but is there anything that, that stretches and exercises that muscle, that soul muscle of faith any more than prayer? Think about what you're doing. You're speaking either out loud or in your heart to someone you cannot see or hear or taste or touch or smell. The, the senses don't work, and yet you're expressing you're not pretending to talk to someone who's, who's there. You're talking to someone who's not physically there. But he is there in spirit. To speak to someone who cannot be perceived by the senses demands the purest kind of faith. So, since prayer is a learned discipline and it's learned by imitation, we can grow in our prayer life by studying and imitating how people in the Bible prayed. God recorded these prayers on purpose. So if prayer is a learned behavior, the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, and we have recorded examples of prayer in the Scripture, I think we sit at the feast of God's Word and look and say, this is, this is a paradigm, this is a pattern, this is instructive, these are exemplary prayers that we can imitate. All of us imitate patterns of speech. Haven't you heard yourself say a phrase that you heard someone else say that you just kind of adopt? A word that you've heard, a phrase you use, a joke you've heard. We imitate. We're always imitating. That's exactly the pattern that's intended here in prayer. Paul prays for the Colossians here, and I think there's much to imitate and replicate in his prayer. So for our time, a brief time this morning, what I want to do is look at two dimensions of Paul's prayer for the Colossians. The character of his prayer and the content of his prayer. We're going to look at the character first. Now, I want to tell you, this is going to be a very different outline because we're going to bounce around in, in, in this, this prayer. We're almost going to look at the prayer from the standpoint of, content, of character, rather, what prayer is like, the characteristics of prayer. Then we're going to go back through it and look for the exact content of the prayer. So if it sounds redundant and like we're circling the, the runway, you, you'll be right. Let's look first, number one, at the character or characteristics of Paul's prayer. What is it like? Before we see what's in it, what was it like? Number one, first, it was linked to thanksgiving. It was linked to thanksgiving. I read beginning in verse three, we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. It starts with this attitude of thankfulness. If I were to assess the one of the greatest challenges and greatest um, uh, neglects and biggest problems of the generation of 
people who are alive on this planet right now, I would say it's a lack of thankfulness. If you want to see a person who's growing in Christ, you'll find a person who's thankful, who's expressively thankful to others and to God. Think about the the blessings of your life. I mean, we could stop right here and stay for the rest of the day and say, how many things can you look at in your life and say, thank you, God, for? Food, shelter, clothing, the basic necessities of life, friends, a church, a job, a place to live, all that stuff that's in our house, vacations. You can go on and on. The sun set, the sun rise. The last two days I've been in a, in Montana at a, a two-day conference, and I got up early to, to run in, um, I guess it was Friday, Friday morning, and it was before uh, the sun was up, and, and went out just a couple of miles, well, it felt like a couple of miles, went out a ways, and turned around. It was about 12 miles, as I remember it, <laughs> on the way out. Um, and I turned around, and what I didn't anticipate, the, it was getting lighter and lighter, and I turned around, and I saw, and coming up over the Bridger Mountains was this spectacular sunrise. I don't know what it is. If you've been to Montana, big sky country, there, there is something different about that sky, and if you can give me the scientific reason for that, I would, I would love you forever. I, I don't get it, but it's bigger. And the, the brilliance of that sky for the last part of that, that, that run, walk, walk, run, walk with occasional jogs, on the, back, on the way back to the place I was staying, I'm just watching this explosion of color over the Bridger Mountains, and it was spectacular. And I just thought, what a God. He could have just said, you know, 6 a.m., boom, sun in the sky. But he had it rise slowly with color. What a, what a God who would display his creativity and his glory to thank God for things that you see. Here, though, Paul says, we give thanks to God for you, praying for you. Are you regularly giving thanks to God for the people in your life, for other believers in your life, for the people on your left, on your right, behind you, and in front of you? He gives thanks to God, praying always. It's a convicting feature to me. Paul was interested, deeply interested in the spiritual realities in the lives of others. I want to ask you this. I want to get really practical. Do you have a, an organized way to capture the things for which you pray for others and for which you are thankful? A journal, an app, a piece of paper, a, a, a file in Evernote, a file in Microsoft, a file on your Mac, a file on your PC, a file in your drawer, an index card. Do you have some way of recording these things? Unless your mind is a steel trap, I would encourage you to find some way of recording what God's doing that you can be thankful for. Also, look at this next characteristic of, the, of, the, of his prayer. It, it was informed. It was informed. He says, for this reason, since the day we heard of it, Paul had a spiritual curiosity about his friends. What is God doing in their life? Is God doing something I can thank him for? Is God convicting and correcting? Is God encouraging and lifting up? What is going on in the lives of the Colossians? He heard about it. He has the Colossians on his prayer list. And it sounds like, from this passage, he was receiving regular reports on their spiritual progress and well-being. 
Are we seeking the reports about the spiritual health and well-being of other believers? You know, one of the things we ought to do in this beautiful church, out in that echoey atrium, upstairs, downstairs, outside, inside, when we connect with each other, it ought to be this. Are we getting information about the spiritual well-being of one another? And it ought to be natural, not awkward. I mean, it, it, it could be awkward at first. You, you go up to someone, hey, how you doing? Uh, is your coffee black or do you have all that other stuff in it? What, how's life? How's the week? Hey, how's your soul? As strange as that sounds, it ought to be a part of our vocabulary. How's the health of your soul? I've heard of how you're doing. I see what's going on. His prayer was informed prayer. You know how you can tell when your prayer life is not informed? It's repetitive. You pray the same old things about the same old things, and that's because your prayer life is not being informed. Third, it was incessant. He says, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask. We have not ceased to pray for you. That indicates that Paul's prayer life was normal, regular, and consistent. Incessant. Praying always. Pray without ceasing. Can I even say you can pray, I don't want to be blasphemous, you can pray and not even say amen. Just put a comma at the end. Are, are we really done? I feel like sometimes in my own life I say amen, like okay, I'm done, let's, let's close that book, let's move on to the next chapter of, of my day. What about leaving some hanging paragraphs in your conversation with God? How about ending your prayer instead of saying amen, and it's okay to say so be it, which is what amen means. Instead of ending your prayer like that, say, I'll be back in a few minutes. Talk to you in an hour. You say, that's odd. Isn't that the way we would talk to each other? It was incessant. We have not ceased to pray for you. By the way, for it to be incessant, it had to be informed or you would be praying the same old things about the same old things. And the last, uh, not lastly, next to last, it was personal. Paul was praying for the Colossians even though he had never met them. Bob was talking earlier about our friends in Italy. Some of you have met uh, the, the guys from the Italian Theological Academy or some of them or a few of them. Some of you haven't. Are, can you, are you willing to pray for people that you don't know and get information about them that you can support the needs of their life and ministry in prayer? It was personal. The church at Colossae was likely founded by Epaphras, who was the Colossian himself, probably the pastor there. That makes the Colossians Paul's spiritual grandchildren. It's a good place to ask ourselves about the reach of our prayers. It's way too easy, way, way too easy for me to concentrate my prayers about my family, close circle of friends, the people I know well, rather than a bigger range. Don Carson writes this, our prayers may be an index of how small and self-centered our world is. Ouch. Can I read that again? Our prayers may be an index of how small and self-centered our world is. Wow. We have a global God, do we not? Can you pray to a God who knows what's going on in Egypt, Afghanistan, Australia? 
He's given us access. How small are our prayers? And the last thing, just looking at the characteristics of his prayer, it was specific. He did not just say, Lord, we pray for the Colossians. We're going to look at the content now. It was very specific. I do this all the time, so don't judge me, okay? But I want to, I want to make you aware of something that I'm trying to, to, to be aware of in my own heart. Have you noticed how we pray about praying? What does it mean if I said, Lord, I pray for Jim? We don't talk to each other like that. Ben, I want to talk to you about you. Isn't that an interesting habit we've gotten into? Lord, I pray for. Well, he knows you're praying. You don't have to tell him, Lord, I'm talking to you about. I'm not trying to wreck anyone's prayer life. I do the same thing, but I think it needs to be more natural. And it becomes more natural when it's most specific. Please note, I'm not saying that you shouldn't or can't say, Lord, we pray for Jim. or Lord. That's okay. I do it. You're going to hear me doing it. Don't judge me when you hear me. I'm just saying that the specificity of our prayers will take out some of those verbal bridges that we have in our prayers. He didn't just say, Lord, we pray for the Colossians. He was very specific about the things he was praying for with the Colossians. Significant content in prayer in Paul's intercession, which takes us, number two, to the main point I want to get to, the content of Paul's prayer. The content of prayer. These are very specific requests. And I find it interesting that Paul let the Colossians know that he was praying for them and what he was praying for them. He doesn't ask for prayer requests here. It's okay to ask for prayer requests. His spiritual mindset is such that he knows already what to pray for without even knowing these people. It's incredible. Do you know how to pray for someone, even someone you don't know, if you don't know the specifics of their situation? Paul did. Paul understood that. Why? Because he understood what spiritual stability and spiritual growth really are, and he could pray about that. Now, before we dive in, I think it's interesting to observe what Paul does not pray for. He does not pray about any specific situations or problems. It's okay to do that, but in here, he doesn't know these people, just knows about them. He feels like he knows them. They're they're his spiritual grandchildren, but there's nothing specific. There are other prayers where he's very specific, so there's a time for that, but if you don't know the specifics, that doesn't cause us to have a, a neglect in praying. Secondly, I want to be careful here. He doesn't pray about any physical issues. I look back at my prayer journals, my prayer life, my prayer week. I look at the prayer requests even at Mission Road, and it's, it's so full of physical requests. Now, be careful. We should pray for physical ailments. If I have an issue, please pray for me. We had a very serious one that came over the prayer chain this week. I hope you saw that. Please pray for her. Please pray for physical realities. The issue is to not stop praying for physical realities. The issue is to start praying for spiritual realities. Paul is all about soul work in this prayer. We should certainly pray for these realities. If I'm sick, if I have an issue... I want you praying for me physically, please. But I'm sure, and I'm sure Paul did that. 
But here's something more, something deeper, something spiritual and something transcendent. Let's dive into it. Verse nine, we find out he's praying for their thinking, for their thinking. Look at verse nine. We have not ceased to pray for you and to ask, here it goes, drum roll, that you be filled with the knowledge of his will, what he wants you to do and think and be and say with all, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul understood this. He understood that we tend to forget. Christianity is fundamentally a rational religion and involves thinking, knowing for the purpose of being and doing. Filled with the knowledge that they would know something, remember something, anchor their lives on what they were thinking. Look at the three words here in the, that are the target of the prayer. Knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Do you see that in the verse? Knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. All of those are mental exercises. Knowledge, epignosis, it, it means true knowledge. In the New Testament content, it's used especially of intensive religious and moral knowledge. When he says knowledge, that's the way you can pray for someone to read their Bible and know what God says. That's exactly what this word intimates. It's what one comes to know through faith in Christ. It's the full knowledge, acknowledgement, and recognition. You know, as mission row, we should pray for each other regularly, daily, multiple times a day. Please, Lord, Eric, if I'm praying for Eric, make Eric hungry for your truth today. And when he reads his Bible, help him to know something he didn't know before. Be reminded of something you need to remind him of. Make his mind different. God, do this. It's a supernatural work, praying for the knowledge. Then he says, all spiritual wisdom. This speaks of discernment, decision-making, simply knowing what to do and why we're doing it, how you apply your knowledge. I gotta admit, this is one I pray for my kids more than anything else. Lord, make them wise. You know that verse, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child? Yeah, I know that one too. Those children grow up and become foolish adults, by the way, too. All spiritual wisdom is discernment, making good decisions, making calculated choices based on spiritual knowledge that we've accumulated. We, we have an opportunity to ask God to do that in the lives of the people we love. And then understanding, literally spiritual understanding, thinking biblically, thinking rightly about God, life, people, tragedy, physical ailments, thinking rightly about everything. This goes back to what do I feel? What do I think? What do I know? Lord, cause so-and-so to know, to know and believe what you said. You know what I found when I pray this? It causes me to make sure I'm doing it myself. You start praying this about Eric or Jim or whoever, and you think, I actually need to do that myself. It's a great internal regulator. This Greek word, plurao, filled. It's the same word as filled with the Spirit in Ephesians 5.18. It means to fill and move like wind in a sail, that they would be filled with this. You've seen a sail, you've seen the the wind catch a sail and blow it up and move a ship along. That's what's talking about here. It's filled with, it's moved by, it's changed by. And then he says God's will. Thelema. 
It means design, desire, or purpose. Do you know how to follow God's design, desire, or purpose, and can you pray about that in the life of someone? We have so many issues. Let's just take a physical ailment. We, we saw a serious one on the prayer chain this week. We should pray for that. God is a healer. Let's pray that God heals. But can't we pray that this sweet lady would be filled with the knowledge of his will, have discernment, think rightly, understand theology, that what she would think about God would be true in her, in her suffering? It, that's how we need to pray. That's how Paul prayed, especially with regard to the will of God. In all of my ailments, sufferings, dis, uh, discomforts, in all the things we go through, in all the things that you're going through, and all the things that the people around you are going through, we pray that God's will is accomplished. We do what God wants us to. Psalm 143, verse 10. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on a level ground. This was no mystery to Paul. It was no mystery to the Colossians. It was simply to follow the obeyed, revealed will of God, to obey what God has said in his word. You see how much of this is attached to reading the Bible? He prayed for their thinking, that they would think right, make good decisions based on biblical input. Next, he prayed for their decisions. This is really, really interesting. Verse 10, so that. Don't you love the so that's in scripture? So that. I want you to think rightly, and there's a practical application. So that you will walk in a manner, live in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That you would live right, walk right, that you would decide these, these, these little things and big things that lead to a lifestyle. All of our reputation, all of our lifestyle is accumulation of hundreds and thousands of decisions we make every day. You have made hundreds of decisions already this morning. You have made dozens since you sat here this morning listening to God's word. We're always making decisions. Paul says, so that you would live. Walk means live. It's a it's an idiom that means the, the way you live your life. You walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects. If you want a life verse, if you want a life tag, there it is. To please him in all respects. Bearing fruit in every good work. Oh, this is interesting. And increasing in the knowledge of God. Is this the read your Bible more sermon? Yes, and pray more sermon. The content of verse 10 all has to do with making godly, good decisions. Increasing in the knowledge of God, pleasing him in all respects, walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. Those are all decisions. A worthy walk, a life that pleases God comprehensively, bearing fruit. And it's all based on an increasing knowledge of God. Next, he prayed for their steadfastness. Their steadfastness. Verse 11, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. This is a prayer for power to handle difficulty. You have someone in a physical um, dilemma, pray for their physically, them physically, but also pray that they would be strengthened in their soul with all power according to God's might, God's strength, God's power. They'd be steadfast. 
I think I would be discouraged if this verse says, strengthen with all power for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience without saying according to his glorious might. Back to faith. Can I ask you just a simple question? Do you believe? Do you really believe? Do you honestly believe? Do your prayers reflect the fact that you believe that God can do something in someone? It's a simple question, but do you believe that? That they would be patient. That word patience, ah. It doesn't mean that you're, it has a dimension of meaning, you know, you don't, um, uh, you wait if someone's late or something, you're patient. I understand that. This is talking about remaining faithful under duress. That's what the word patience means. You remain faithful under pressure, under duress. That's what steadfastness means. Hupomone, you're staying faithful under stress. That patience is a state of emotional quietness in the face of unfavorable circumstances. The prayer here is for sustenance, for steadfastness, for stick to As we say so often, I wonder if we pray for people to get out of what God wants to put them into. We can certainly pray for relief of of uh, difficulty. But even more than that, we should pray for steadfastness in the difficulty. Don't you see also that this presupposes we know what's going on in each other's lives? He also prays for their worldview. Lastly, their worldview. This is big time. If you go from verse 11... Increasing in the knowledge of, excuse me, of, um, verse 12. Verse 11, yes. Joyously, that's the last word. That really should go down with verse 12. Joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of life. This giving thanks is a mindset, it's a worldview. He's praying for their outlook on life to be fundamentally and radically changed from selfishness to thankfulness. Some debate about whether Paul is reflecting his own thanks or praying for the Colossians to be thankful. I think it's both. The use of the word us indicates that. He is thankful and wants the Colossians to join him in hurling thanks toward God. So we can all copy each other a little bit today, but when you're praying for the lunch, thank God for the food. But you know what you're probably going to be able to thank him for today? Thanking him for the abundance of the food that you have. You will likely all eat at lunch today until you're full. You won't have, you know, 200 calories. You'll have a full plate. Thank him for abundance. Thank him for the variety. Thank him for vitamins. Thank him for his gift of that. Thank him for the people who are sharing the meal with you. Thank him for the place that you can sit and and enjoy that meal, for the air conditioning, for the heater, whatever's going on. He is surrounded us with things that remind us that he is giving us good things. But there's a catch. We can't stop there. Because he goes on to say, joyously giving thanks to the Father, and then here's what he thanks God for. Who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Because, because, for, 
He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Fathers, can I just talk specifically to us for a moment? Our families ought to hear us regularly thank God for the amazing, inexplicable, ineffable gift of salvation. I wonder if our children and our wives ever hear us shed tears in our prayer when we stop to think that we're not going to hell, that he's given us the gospel, that he's killed his son for us. Paul's thankfulness always got to the cross. It always got to the gospel. It always understood forgiveness. It always rejoiced in mercy. He said we've been transferred from the dark kingdom to the one of Jesus, light, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Notice it gets personal. It's just not talking about the gospel as a plan. He talks about the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption. It comes back to the person of Christ. This is asking God and thanking God and thinking about God in the context of our outlook, our worldview, and it's dominated by a thankfulness for the gospel. Our prayers should be saturated with it. Our prayers for each other should be saturated with it. Our understanding of our own communion with God should be saturated with it. Inheritance of the saints and light, rescue from the domain of darkness, admittance into the kingdom of Jesus, possession of redemption and forgiveness of sins. That's enough to be thankful for. Now let me just turn the key and the knife just a little bit. If we're not thankful to God for it, we're not thankful in our heart about it. I uh, told you I was in Montana the last couple days. One of my favorite stores is there. It's an outdoor store, and a friend took me there. As we walked in, he gave me a gift card to use there. And we were walking around looking at the store, and I just, I, I bet I thanked him 50 times. This is so kind. This is so thankful. Why do you think I did that? What's behind that? Because the reality of that gift was in my hand. And the person who gave it to me was at my side. Do you understand that the reality of the gift of salvation is in your soul? And the person who gave it to you is more than in, at your side. He is in you, with you, around you, supporting you. How can we not be aware that we have been redeemed from hell, the domain of darkness, the prince of the power of the air, and transferred into the glorious light of his kingdom? It's, it's remarkable. That's also how Paul is praying for the Colossians. So here's, here's, here's my agenda. This is, this is, I hope it's not selfish. But as I backed up and looked at, okay, if we want to take a few weeks to talk about how can we really dial in praying, I mean, dial in doing church better, doing it in a more efficient way, an effective way, in a more God-glorifying way, you know where we have to start? We have to start at the throne. We can talk about philosophy of ministry. We can talk about uh, uh, rooms for Sunday school classes and multiple services and outreach. That's great. But that's after we talk to God. And it's talking to God about each other. Boy, I hope you're talking about each other behind each other's backs to God. 
Spurgeon said, this is to pastors, but I think it works with friends. He says, men, do the people under your pastoral charge have the privilege of having their name uttered by your lips at the throne of God every day? Wow. Do your friends have the privilege of their name being echoed in heaven's court from your lips. What would our church be like if we prayed? I'm not saying you don't. Glad you do. But what would it be like if we prayed like this? If we prayed that everyone had a right worldview and everyone's understanding was anchored in the, in the knowledge of his will, that we were Bible lover, Bible reading, Bible applying people, that we were increasing, that we were doing his will, and God answered that prayer in each other, I wonder what our church would look like, be like, feel like, act like, sense around one another, that growth. So I want to commit to you that this is, this is the place I'm going to start in praying for you. Our elders pray for you. We pray weekly. We go through the alphabet of our membership. We we want to up the ante, though, and pray like this. Let's have our prayer request that we can give. Have this dimension as well as the physical dimension. Let's learn, learn together how to pray better. After that, can I say amen? Okay, good. Well, we have the joy this morning of welcoming some new members, and I hope you're here, and I hope I can pronounce your name. Uh, if you are here, and I, and, I call you, and I announce your name, I want you to come and stand right up in front of me. I'm going to try this, Paul. I've tried it before. Paul Drezvayanikov. Where are you? Shoot. Almost had it. Come on up. Uh, Morgan Murray, Paul and Teresa Simpson. Rachel Slaughter, Tim and Christy Taylor, Adam and Mia Zilke. Maya, I, as soon as I said it, I, I reversed it. Maya, come on up. You guys come, come close. All right, say it again, Paul. That's not how it's spelled. You're like Coach Krzyzewski at, 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 uh, at that school. Um, it is a joy to have you all here. Um, some of you have been here a long time and you're jumping into official membership. Some of you are newer. Such a joy. I'm going to read you uh, some commitments and ask you to uh, respond with the simple phrase, I will, okay? Will you be diligent to exercise self-control so that your lifestyle exhibits both true Christian love and personal holiness? Will you take seriously your relationship to others, the people standing behind you and in the second service, in the body of Christ, striving to maintain unity, avoiding gossip, backbiting, anger, slander, and doing all you can to stimulate love and good deeds as you seek to exercise your spiritual gifts in faithful service. Will you consistently contribute as a good steward of God's blessing, such time, talent, money, and resources in the measure that God prospers you so that our local church, and worldwide ministry of spreading the gospel will continue. 
Will you teach biblical truth to your family and acquaintances as God gives you opportunity with a desire to see them come to true faith and trust in Christ and be saved? Will you always be willing to give and receive correction and admonition in meekness and love? And will you promote the spiritual well-being of others here at Mission Road by sustaining its worship, ordinances, doctrines, and submit to the process of biblical discipline and restoration in others? Will you come and be a part? Good. Lastly, will you commit to praying for, I have a good place you can go to, for some ideas, praying for the ministry here at Mission Road, your brothers and sisters in Christ, and the lost that you know who need the Savior. I ask everyone to stand, if you will. And to the congregation, especially our members, I would ask, you have responsibilities as well. Let me ask you and let you respond with I will. Will you, with the aid of the Holy Spirit, seek to love, encourage, teach, admonish, comfort, and exhort these new members with a genuine desire to see them grow in the knowledge of Christ and his word? Great. I'm going to ask you guys to slip out, go grab your stuff, and go out. And if you wouldn't mind... You can go now. Get your stuff and go out by the fireplace out there. And uh, everyone, before Sunday school, if you could just slide by and, and shake their hand and thank them for becoming a member, tell them that you're glad they're here and, and that you'll pray for them in the way the Colossians prayed for. The, Paul prayed for the Colossians. And let's just uh, greet them and then we'll come back to Sunday school in just a moment. Father, dismiss us with great thoughts of our access to you and how we can pray. Our heads are still bowed. If you have a question, if you want to talk to anyone, our prayer room is going to be open to my right. We'll be glad to serve you in any way. Let's be a praying congregation. Make us that, Lord, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.